welcome to the third episode of Texas Steampunk Connection. I am Flavio. We were at ChupacabaCon, and there was Steampunk there, much to my surprise. The first thing I have is a interview with a gentleman named Benjamin W. Rhodes, and he's creating a LARP, which is a live-action role-playing game called Shadows of Solace. So the first part of this podcast will be, us, will be me interviewing him. And then there's going to be another interview following that, with both me and Thax talking to Daniel Allen Burrow, we'll be talking about Tefra, steampunk role-playing game tabletop. So, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> I'm talking to Ben Rhodes here, who is the writer and creator of, of it, and it's called... Uh, Shadows of Solace. Shadows of Solace. I, play te- I helped playtest it yesterday. You're still testing. In the testing mode, you said? We are still in the testing phase, yes. Yes, I had a good time. It was a really fun time. Now, now let's, let's get into it. Let's uh, explain your world. How, how did, well, actually, I'm going to start off with, how did you get into steampunk? Um, well, the first LARP I had actually had steampunk elements into it, and from there it just kind of tumbled. You just, you just started, just started to mess around with it and <laughs> found it interesting, and so decided, hey, that's an interesting premise. Okay. So. And what, what exactly is steampunk to you? I mean, what is, what's the aesthetic about it that you like? Um, well, I like the old, the, it's kind of the the fact that it's got kind of more high-tech tech, uh, or modern tech, but it's not so, I don't know, sci-fi based. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's uh, got a more classic feel, I guess, to it, and it kind of uh, has a nostalgia or a, more of a reminder of an olden time that we've kind of lost, at least in at least yeah. my Yeah, I definitely my, agree with that. Yeah. My era. <laughs> and it's just, it just looks like it's a cool aesthetic yeah. and look to yep. it, right? It has you a know. fantastic look. <laughs> awesome. So, okay, so, you get, so you're making this steampunk world. You're, you're building a new world. Um, what is what's what is the premise of your world? What is your the origin of your world? And um, the, ori- the original world, um, we're actually dealing with two worlds in this game. And in, uh, in, the, in the original world, the steampunk world, um, it was basically more or less just a modernized version of Earth. Uh, or excuse me, a, a modern version of Earth, but with steampunk twist instead of having um, most of the like modern a, like things. Like an alternate history? Yeah, kinda? just an alternate history kind of world. Um, the world itself now has um, been shifted um, due to basically the play, or due to the events of the world, the steampunk world has essentially been, for lack of a better term, destroyed. Um, and there's a very fraction of what happened with the steampunkers to they managed to get off world and are now stuck on an entirely different setting, planning. So it's kind of a steampunk fantasy fusion, more or less. In, in space? So it's a different planet? A uh, different planet. Um, okay. It's not a, not space travel. We used a, what we refer to as a jump gate or a okay. te- technological okay. portal, basically, okay. that just kind of... Steam portal. Steam portal, yeah, <laughs> and jumped through and didn't know where they were going and kind of just landed on a new planet. So, um, awesome. yeah, it was one of those no, no space travel sci-fi mix. You get start adding mm-hmm. too many genres, things get crazy. Right, so. yeah, definitely. So the premise is basically they're on this new world and they need to try to survive. Now. Yes, okay. that is the initial six-month plot is basically survival. Um, and developing politics, um, interacting with the inhabitants, choices for the players. So, the, so there are, I guess, alien or I guess local inhabitants there on this planet. There are local inhabitants. Um, yeah, there's uh, at the moment six races that are on this planet. Um, for well, this land, I guess technically, mm-hmm. there, you don't have an entire planet to explore. We don't have that kind of space. Right, but, right. Of um, but yes, but there's about six inhabitants that that players can essentially uncover, and then as they go on, can for lack of a better term, unlock so that they become playable races as well. 
Okay, so you said it's also it's, it's a sci-fi mixed with fantasy as well, you said. Well, the sci-fi element we tried to pretty much well, avoid. Well, steampunk sci-fi. Steampunk, yeah, yeah. Steampunk, yeah <laughs> steampunk fantasy. We avoid the sci-fi. We don't do the lasers and the mm-hmm. repeating heavy guns and right. body shields. and that, that just gets crazy. So, Yeah, well, um, I always consider steampunk to be a Victorian sci-fi, basically. And, you yeah. know, and, and it's, you know, it's not, yeah, not necessarily lasers or anything, but it's, right. you know, fancy stuff you yes know, yeah. mechanical yeah. stuff yeah I mean, mostly run by gears and steam yep. and stuff like that yep. you know is that, that when i say sci-fi i'm really meaning okay. steampunk okay. i'm sorry no it's fine <laughs> um so and so the fantasy elements are what exactly just basically um they're more of your classic high fantasy um the magic system we have a magic system in place um and your swords and your shields and things like that it's it's more of a basic high fantasy what okay. you think of um we didn't really do elves and orcs and all that kind of thing, but in terms of magic, it's a high fantasy system. Okay. And so, I mean, well, the steampunk, you have, you have the gadgets and gears yes. and nerf, nerf guns as well. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was one of the benefits and something we definitely wanted to focus on is to bring that into as well. And um, everything for professions such as Tinker, who are making and gears and electrostatic modules. Yeah, and I, played, like, I played a Tinker last night, and I was, I was, I was um, intrigued. I definitely like that, that mm-hmm. concept of it and making stuff. Um, Okay, so if, let's say a new person comes along and they want to play. What would they have to? I mean, how does how, how would they get started with you? I mean, what's like character generation? What would you? What, uh, what, what character would they need generation, to do? Um, as you played last night, was that, like I told you guys, was a little more watered down for the convention. Um, you, when you have a two-hour time slot, you right, tend to avoid exactly. That. Um, but character generation, uh, we ran pretty much in the rule book. It gives runs through seven essential questions that that the PC should should ask himself about his or her character. Um, Everything from how they feel about their own mortality to what they value to what they can't lose. Um, just basic generation questions that most people would have a general idea about. Um, from there, you pick a, uh, at the moment, one of eight races, um, as we have what, what's known as the animated or automatons, um, which we didn't bring Ooh, to the convention. That'd, that'd be interesting. Yeah, we didn't bring them to the convention just because of the makeup requirements we have, and it's it's too much hassle. But right. um, there is four, four animated races as well as four what we call Tykans or humans, essentially. Um, and you pick one of those, one of those, one of those two races and a subset of that race, essentially, okay. um, giving you a small racial bonus. Basically, nothing too serious, mm-hmm. just a little bit something to give flavor to um, that. Um, and so, then you would start with a specialization based on your 15 skill points. And so uh, you start, excuse me, you start with a civics, which is our profession crafting system, which is. I think 12, if I remember correctly, 12 um, professions, um, essentially, that everyone starts with at least one, and then a essentially a combat specialization, and everybody starts with at least one. So it's... Okay, so, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, this is a skill-based system, is not a, a class-based system. Yes, it is a skill-based system. Um, so, so basically, you buy your... what? what I, I want to use a sword, so you have to buy that skill. And yes. I want to I want to be able to build such and such thing, gadgets, and you yes. need to start building your skill points towards that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you basically can play whatever you want, kind of, as long as you buy the right skills for it. Yep. That, that's not a bad system. I like that. Um, what else am I needed? Okay. So we're, you're located in Tyler? We're located in Lindale, Lindale. officially. And where, um, how far? Where is that's that? That's about 10 minutes north of uh, – 10, 15 minutes north of Lindale. So, or excuse me, north of Tyler. Okay. Um, so it's it's in that area that's about, uh, about three and a half – Ish all hours from Austin, depending on how fast you drive. Well, I thought it was a little further. That's no, good. <laughs> no, it's about yeah, it's only about three, three and a half hours, maybe four if you're driving a little slower. You mm-hmm. hit traffic or something, but really, it's not too far from here. Um, and yeah, we have a 80 acre, approximate 80 acre piece of land with a with a village, a small village on the on the property in the back, and it's secluded private land. 
Um, so you're not gonna have to worry about people coming down there who have no idea. For first time for first time players who are mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't know if I want to be seen in public like this. No worries, <laughs> we've got private land. Um, so well, it's, you, would, you would hope if they want to play, they're they're experienced larpers or well, you know, I mean, there's not new larpers are always good. I say you always want new um, larpers because you always want to be growing and always want to be looking for new talent and people who are really can add to the game. Mm-hmm. So. So I'm assuming, like, if you do have a new LARPer show up, I mean, you're going to have somebody who can walk them through everything and mm-hmm. be, you know, greet them and mm-hmm. explain what's going on kind of thing. Yeah. Because um, that's one of the big things about new LARPers is they, they don't know what's going on. Right. And, and if they don't get a friendly welcome, it's kind of yeah. hard to keep them. Um. <laughs> yeah, the system was actually written with new players in mind. Um, my wife actually is not a LARPer, and I had her read the whole thing from cover to cover and pretty much keep editing it from a new player. Mm-hmm. I've She's LARPed, I think, once in her in her life um, and it's one of those things it's, it's just not her cup of tea but I wrote right. it with the people who've never done it before in mind and so it should be a fairly simple system in, in the fact of I mean even something as simple as damage if you're swinging if you're swinging a sword with one hand it's one damage if you swing with two hands it's two damage and we're a low numbers game so there's not a lot of math and, and things like that So and it's, and it's not a high combat system no it is not a high combat system I mean combat is always an option if you want to go out and swing foam we've got wandering monsters through the woods you can go out and swing foam it's no problem um, but we are very actively looking for role play and people to generate role play through the politics through the land system um uh, things like that. So it's yeah, we're very much aiming for the role play and, and very much want user generated content. We want we want players who are actively looking to generate their own content. Um, we kind of advertise that we're trying to put the power in the hands of the players, and so um, we have overarching themes that plot comes up with. But for the most part, mm-hmm. we want the players to be generating their own things. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of scenario would someone expect at one of your games? Like if they walk in into town, and you know, I mean, I know you want generated content from the players, but right. what, what I mean. You give, them some, um, you give them seeds or something we to do work give them, with? We do give them seeds. Um, we've had everything from, uh, well, the last play test, for example, was the, right before essentially what we call Sundering, the end of the world. Um, we had a, it went a little more high fantasy just because of the transition and trying to get people more into that mindset. Um, but we had a, basically we have a, f- a race of five beings, essentially, because there is a, divi- there is a religious theocracy system involved in mm-hmm. um, one of the races. Um, and, Essentially, this these two beings were have two of the five beings were having it out, and then they were duking it out, and um, kept trying to work with deals with the players. And hey, let's trying to push the players into positions where they were given um, more power and authority or tech than the other guy. And so it was very, um, very role play based. I think we actually had that was that was that event. We had one combat, and that was pretty much a duke out between the two apprentice PCs who essentially had been ascended to this higher like type level and had been given a little more technology and some boosts and stats and things like that and that was our combat for the entire event and um the entire weekend was just talking 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 and um we've had things where hey go find this artifact and this will give you a new blueprint or go find this that's cool yeah um you know go find this thing and um come to find out oh well you found the case but this isn't there well this this npc over has this or um actually we had one which was what's known as the um Basically, the event where we introduced the animated for playtesting, uh, the automatons, mm-hmm. um, we had where a NPC was the developer for obvious reasons, and then he had been kidnapped by another NPC um, group, and they had to go and save him. It was a combat section um, for the players, um, but then they were with. Um, he unfortunately got killed. The original guy got killed, and so then they spent the rest of the event um, trying to figure out a way how to bring in the animated into the system because. <laughs> okay. um, whether or not players complete quests or certain things that happen that for for plot purposes that we inject um, will affect whether or not players are actually have access to certain content. Okay, um, yeah, that makes sense. And so, in the event like had the 
players not succeeding and somehow working out a deal, which they ended up brokering a deal with one of the five beings that I mentioned. Um, they broke out a deal that actually made him, allowed him to create the create the automaton. Had they not done that, we would have actually not had an animated as a playable race. So there's um, consequences for everybody. There are for their very actions, consequences yeah. for every action. Um, well, I shouldn't say every action, but most it, actions, especially major actions. Yes, and it, and it, it bleeds over from from one game to the from next. One game to the next. We so are what happened in one game will yes. affect what happens in the next yes, game. We are kind of situation. trying to be a story arc type game and not a okay. module type game. Awesome. Is this a pay to play? Is it free to play? It How is do you pay to play. Um, it's forty five dollars, um, and that includes a air conditioned um, or heated cabin. Okay. Um, nice. So in the event that it's that's that's that's, that's impressive. Yeah. So because <laughs> I've been uh, to some play to play games or it's just camp out it's like yeah, I'm, nope. I'm not a camper myself no nope. um <laughs> that's part of the reason we worked with the site that we had with the village and so that's why we we took and said okay well they've survived and they set up a new village um but it's a it's an air-conditioned cabin there is food available but it's 45 dollars for the event um that covers your insurance the insurance that we have as well as the site fees um and then a little bit of expansion for props to keep the game okay, running yeah. okay um but that's that's the hard limit and then we also sell what's known as a meal pass which is 20 dollars for the weekend mm -hmm. and it'll it'll give you four meals and two snacks for the whole weekend. Water and Gatorade is always included. Awesome. How often do you play, or how, how often do you have these? Um, this year sessions? we'll have we'll have nine we'll have nine events due to site restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, but at the moment, or we we're aiming for once a month. Um, unfortunately, June and July because of our location, they run a youth camp at that point. Um, June and July are strictly out, so we're looking at potentially doing adventure days um, this year due to my schedule. That just won't happen. Mm. Um, but. The goal is to keep doing one a month, if at all possible. Um, so, yeah, we're looking for one a month from Friday night. Um, we play all Friday, play Saturday, um, and then Sunday morning, get up, clean, and go home. So Okay. Yeah, that's, that sounds that's reasonable, especially for 45 bucks in an air-conditioned cabin right. and food and all. Right. That sounds pretty reasonable. Um, well, so there's some. I had a question in mind and it just went blank. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. Um, so what else... Um, so okay, you said there's two different there's there's human there's humans obviously who right. just got there, and you said there was another alien race on this planet. Well, you said they're automatons. It's or? The, yeah, it's the we call them the animated because the animated. they are they are automatons, but they are sentient automatons. Okay. There are there are automatons that are non sentient, um, but essentially the automatons have the programming has led to them being sentient after years and years and years and years of doing things. Um, the basic premise for that was essentially they were created as work as work, worker beings to replace. Okay. The, and a player can pl and a, totally a player can, can play one of these. Can totally it? play an animated, no problem. Um, we do have a hard makeup requirement in the fact that you have to essentially paint cover or shown skin, mm -hmm. um, one of the specific colors based on the sub races. Um, normally, it's what is it? Gold, black, gold or silver, black, red, or I want to say it's. Copper. I think that's the okay, so you one. do require we require um, yeah. costumes and we makeup. Do, yes, and everything. we are require high, or we do require costumes. Even if you're playing one of the human races, um, there are some. The, there is no hard requirements for the humans, but there is recommended mm -hmm. um, in the sense of like the Temujin, which is a, which is a. They're more based on the for the guys who are more fighter based. Um, I tried to write actually based on races based on Bartles for personality types, and so each one of the races is more centered around. A specific play style. So, if you want to be a socializer um, and kind of just town gossip for the okay. thing, you could go wander, which is more or less steampunk gypsy, um, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, so and they they require bright, brash colors and combinations, whereas Temujin are uh, more warlike, and so it's more browns, reds, and blacks, and okay. you know just color clothing and and steampunk based 
clothing is really all it but it's not required it's just recommended so right yeah because i was to say because like if a, new, if a new person comes in you know they don't know about the makeup requirements mm -hmm. and they want to play one of these um right. animated right you know they won't you know they're not going to have the makeup right off right. and bat. we do have we do have <laughs> loaner garb um that we're presently working on building up we have some garb that we could lend out to new players so in the event that hey we're gonna come try it out well you don't want to spend 30 50 100 dollars mm -hmm. on a costume hey i got some garb that you can throw on for the weekend and you'll you'll pass i mean you're not gonna have the, you're not gonna have the best costume out there but you're going right. to uh but enough to get you started get you started and, and, and get, get a taste for it before you really kind of start to sink some money very, to that, it. that's very helpful loaner guards always very helpful mm -hmm. and i'm assuming you have loaner weapons as well i have loaner weapons as well yeah. yes um i mean i we have yeah, we have we have plenty of loaner weapons for the whole system, and people want to do nerf guns. We have got loaner nerf guns, um, bow and arrow. We got a bow and arrow, a couple bow and arrows. Um, we do allow live archery um, with uh, approved arrows. So um, that's another thing is there's not a packet based system for the archery. It is you're actually shooting a bow and arrow at, or an arrow at somebody. So yes, I used I used to well, I shot a bow and arrow at a at a previous LARP called HFS High Fantasy Society mm -hmm. and. A combat bow, right. and I, I actually got pretty good at that right. at one point. Yep. But it's not an easy thing. Nope. Um, yeah, I, that would be. I would definitely consider that using the bow because I miss that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good time. I mean, we actually we we factored in. We tried to make it to the where the the system because it is um, health based is mm -hmm. balancing the weapons a little more. So the bow actually has a higher damage than the other weapons because it takes a little longer to fire. Right. So it's health based. Yeah. From last night, I remember there was health, there was mana, and there was stamina. stamina. And so, obviously, you know, if you run out of health, you, you, you drop. Are mm -hmm. you, I mean, are you dead right away, or you, um, is there a bleed-out? There's or? a bleed-out time period, um, because we do have healing and, and things like that. Um, there's a, it's a, essentially a total of six minutes, um, with a two-minute time period for someone to just be able to walk up and heal you, physician skills with a bandage, or with magic, or with a few other things. There's, yeah, there's some tinkering, tinkering stuff that would help you if yes. you actually died. Yes. <laughs> uh, tinkerers are there to make really interesting connections, and um, especially with the... Uh, the R&D system, which we have, we have a restriction development system for players because there is a limit for me as to how much I can actually generate. Mm -hmm. And we, like I said, we're aiming to get players to be bringing content in all the time. Um, so if a player has a good idea, it obviously still has to be approved for the game to make right. sure it's not broken. It's like, hey, I want to make this right. thing that does this. Right. And and, but that's totally a possibility. I mean, you've got to work your way down the tree a little bit. We don't allow just the, the new player off the street to do it. But you right. know, after a certain XP limit, they can buy that. So that comes with a skill. And then you can develop at will for, you know, I just want to focus on Tinkerer. Okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, you can do that and develop all kinds of generic modules and things like that that you can walk around and use. So now is the, now is the game is there a permanent death? Like if your character dies and they don't get to you in time or they don't bring you back with a tinkering object or whatever, uh, is it? I mean, is it over for that character and they have to start over from the beginning? The system oh. that we're playing is, um, and this is still sort of up in the air with the rules team. Um, we have a a essentially a limit as to how many times you can die, and then it is permadeath. Um, we have a essentially we use what's called a deck of fate, which makes it a little more fair. Um, we have 13 cards, and you pull a card when you die. When you officially okay. go through the six minutes, and you nothing picks you up, mm -hmm. then you officially go through the to go to plot and pull a card from the deck of fate. Um, there is essentially a card of grace, which. Um, a, Basically means nothing actually happens. You die, but you don't take a death on your card. Um, and then every other card that is in the deck allows you to take a take a death, um, but will res you with the exception of card of judgment, which actually will permanently kill your character um, outright, even if you haven't reached the limit. Um, the only time that that can't you can't pull that card is your first death. 
okay. um, because we want to have people play. You want to have you come in as a new a new players. That doesn't count ever. We've removed that completely from the deck for your first event because we don't want to have somebody just starting out and then permanent permanent and lose character. their character right, right off the bat. So the first the first <laughs> event, the deaths are essentially free. I mean, um, you can't you can't get those recorded as as deaths on your character. Now, second event, that's a whole other ball game. Um, so it's kind of a chance game where um, one card out of the thirteen, one card will essentially set you without any issues one card will definitely kill you outright and then the other 11 cards will bring you back to life but with lesser or greater caveats or yeah, or whatever, yeah basically yeah. Um, and then we have another one called card of trials which is really interesting which basically means death brings you back to life himself but you have to go do a quest for, for oh, death to okay. get your life back if you fail he kills you and you get to pull another card so essentially it's a double death a double death type card wow um, okay. but it's also all dependent on the player if the player goes oh, mm-hmm. well, I don't care okay well then you take another death and you die again or Oh, you can go complete this quest, and it adds a little bit of urgency to that sort of thing. Okay, so if, so if they do do a permanent death, and let's say it's a person who had like so many skill, like you know, skill points, mm-hmm. you know, they built up all these skill points for this character, mm-hmm. and that character dies. Now, do those skill points go away completely when they start a new character? There is or? a there is essentially what we've been do- what we're going to be doing once we get rolling because everybody starts out at 15 skill points mm-hmm. and works up to the hard cap right now is 150. There's talks to moving up to 200 because 150 feels feels just a little bit short of where we're really wanting people to okay. go. Um, and um, basically, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's say somebody's at at 100 right. skill points and they die and yep. it's permanent. And they want so they get they have to start another character. They do they do they start off with hundred skill points? They don't again? start off with hundred skill points again um, because it's a new new person, and so we don't want to give them the same um, same kind of power level that they had. Um, we want to see characters develop because that's where you see interesting stories develop. Um, but what we will do is take an average of the players, and pretty much we're going to keep a running total because after after a certain amount of time, if you get consistent players so often, so often. Even at 15, with a with a game written to be low numbers and written to be low or new players, um, there will be a point if you have everyone that's around you is you know 100 skill points and you're starting over at 15. That's yeah, fine, but it it, it you're really you're, li- you're a little weaker. And so yeah. what we're doing is we're eventually over time we will bump the starting SP up and so or the starting skill points up. And what we will do is we will essentially that will be the new mark for the starting characters. Okay. That way everyone will be. Um, you will never start out. Never start out at the new the, at the same character um, or same skill points as you were before. Um, if you die, but you will be moving up slightly every time um, based on the average player level. Essentially, to keep keep you more in line with a kind of a balanced system, so everybody's still on the same same level at least. So you're not yeah, the guy seems, at the back that seems with nothing. Fair. That seems pretty fair. Now, I mean, do people will people be able to play like more than one character? Like, of course. Well, this, this session I want to play this character. No problem. Next session I want to play a different character. No problem. And of course, they have two different skill yep, no trees problem. or whatever. No they problem at all. Um, we actually have done a checkout system, which um, because of to keep help keep costs down, what we actually do is we keep the all the all the items and stuff from. Uh, people aren't basically, with the exception of some coins, people aren't allowed to take their stuff home, mm-hmm. um, just to keep costs down. Because if I have to buy new props every time, that means the prices go up for everybody right. else, and nobody yeah. wants to pay more money. No. Um, so what we d- did to avoid that that issue is we actually developed the bag system, where at the end of checkout, um, the character will dump all their items into a bag, um, and at checkout we will label it with their character name and their player name, and then tie it shut, and it will stay shut through um, till the next event. The only, nobody will touch it, um, uh, and then. Next event, you say, "Oh, I want to play this character." I just hand you your bag, and you're good to go. Okay. Um, and so that way, everybody's there's there's no accusation of cheating because no, the only person who has access to them is myself, and I'm not going to go through them. Right. The, the only the only time that that may happen um, is if somebody's gone for six months in order to get the reps back. I would inventory the bag and then 
Just make a list. Make a list, yeah. and then here you go. Oh, oh, we're back. Oh, you're back. Okay, well, then here you started with all these things. Go get these things from Monster Camp. Okay. Now, the option is there, there's options, obviously. You, you need NPCs. Yes. So, so your option, people, is like, do you want to play an NPC? Do yes. they get bonuses or skill points they, to add to their character if they play an NPC they do, for you? They do. You do still develop, um, uh, and it is at a discount. Um, unfortunately, we can't offer, because of the site and the way we run, we run per person, we cannot run for free um, for NPCs. I know a lot of places do that. Oh, if you come here, NPCs, you'll be free. Um, we don't. We do make it $20, um, so that's what you're going to do for the whole weekend, and we will feed you for the weekend as well. That's on us. Um, so you don't have to pay for food, and then you do get a static bonus for um, NPCing for a whole weekend, depending on um, partially how much you do. I mean, if you just, oh, yeah, I want an NPC, and then you sleep in Monster Camp all weekend, okay, well, you don't you Not much have, of an NPC. Right, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's not worth it. But if you're out there actually giving an effort, I mean, you don't have to be a great NPC, but, you know, if you're at least giving an effort, um, then you get a static bonus of donation points, which um, can be used to eventually buy discounts and in-game benefits. Um, uh, and then also there would be some additional SP that you get for your char- for characters if you ever want to play them in the future. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, the, you definitely need NPCs. NPCs yeah. are what make the game, yep. and having... Benefits for that it's, yep. it's very helpful. Yep. Or else, you know, who's going to want to play an NPC? Exactly. No benefits for it. Exactly. So you've been you've been developing this game. How long have you been developing it? Um, it's been in development, including playtesting, about a year, give or take. Um, uh, and, and so there are parts of it that are still a little raw that need development. And I mean, the playtesting we're at least happy with it. It's it's fairly balanced, but it still needs a little bit more clarification in certain aspects. But about a year is give or take with research. So. And when are you planning to go live? Because last night you said you weren't live yet. We are not live yet. Um, we are going live in August. Um, that is that is the goal at the moment. Um, this is assuming that site works with us. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to schedule. There's scheduling issues with site and us, and they 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 tend to. Uh, have a hard time returning my emails. I guess is the way oh, to put okay. it. So, um, but for, for time reference, uh, this is currently May 2016. Yes, for so time reference. we'll be launching August 2016. <laughs> so, um, yes, that is that is the goal is to launch in August. That will be our first event, and after that, it will be August, September, October. There's nothing in November due to site, and then December, and then we will pick up again next year. So, okay. So you got you got a couple months mm-hmm. to keep developing and mm-hmm. get it down. Um, I'm sure. And of course, you have a web. You have a website. We do. Uh, Shadows of Salus. That's S A L U S. LARP. dot com. Um, and then you can also find us on Facebook. So I'm sure you can, you'll be you'll be up, updating people on the situation. And, yes. You know, I like you know countdown to going live mm-hmm. as yes. often as you want. Yes. Um, and as, uh, you have your rule books, your rules, your rule set is online. I think I saw a link to that. Yes, on the rules. The rules are online under the file section um, of Facebook, and then you can also download them off the website um, as well. Under I believe it's under the I believe it's under the events tab. Are you going to encourage like chapters in different cities? If if people want to take it and expand it, I'm all for it. Um, at the moment, there's no plans for that. We're just working on getting live and well, yeah, yeah and one step watched. at a time. But yeah, just, exactly. But, but since your rule book is out there, right? But yes, if somebody wants to pick it up and wants to start another chapter, we're all we're all for it. I, I wouldn't mind a bit. So yeah, because that's how you know inner city trading and mm-hmm. stuff like that can get into get mm-hmm. involved in inner city in, mm-hmm. inner community politics is mm-hmm. a whole other storyline as well, well. With the, and with the land the land system that we have it's also very nice if there was actual um lands because it's based on a faction system right. so if you have another city across you know let's say california or somewhere that's or, or utah that'd be great to have a faction system over there and then you've got to actually live and breathing world going on so yeah so that's, uh, that sounds fairly encouraging. Like I said, I mean, here, here we are at Chupacabacon 3 in Round Rock, Texas. And like I said, I was pleasantly surprised that there's a steampunk LARP here. Um, I wasn't expecting that. 
Um, it was really great to meet you guys. Um, once again, this is a Texas Steampunk Connection coming from you from Austin, Texas. Well, Round Rock at the moment at Chupa Comic Con. Um, do you have any more, anything else you'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. I just so, thanks so much for the, no for the interview. No problem. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, it was nice talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, so until next time, uh, mind your gauges. Okay, once again, that was Benjamin Rhodes talking about Shadows of Solace. Um, if you have any more questions, feel free to look them up on Facebook under Shadows of Solace. And next up is Daniel Allen Burrow talking about the Tefra role-playing game. I hope you enjoy this one as well. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Texas Steampunk Connection. We are at Chupacabacon 3 up in the North Round Rock area. Right. Uh, and uh, this afternoon we are getting a chance to interview uh, Daniel Allen Burrow, the proprietor, um, head writer, creator of uh, Tefra role-playing game, uh, written by Cracked Monocles, uh, the company that he owns, right? Owns, yep. Yes. A, a steampunk role-playing game, which is why we're interviewing him, <laughs> because we like steampunk. Uh, Daniel, let, let's just start out with telling us a little about yourself uh, and how you uh, got into... Yeah. Uh, how did you get into steampunk? Steampunk. Ooh, how did I get into steampunk? Getting into steampunk was kind of a dr gradual process for me, where I started working on Tefra, and I wanted, I wanted, a, you know, I wanted to build a world. And at first, it was fairly high fantasy. You know, we had magic, we had, you know, like kind of like Final Fantasy esque airships. Um, yeah, we were just kind of playing around with things. And then eventually we were like, you know what this setting needs? We need trains. Okay, let's have trains. And then, oh, there's trains. We need steam engines. Okay, steam okay. Engines. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, oh, there's, there's steam engines. Well, we need, we need rifles. We need pistols. Oh, and, and everyone needs to be wearing corsets. Okay, maybe not. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> not think Not everyone, about it. at least. Not everyone, maybe. not everyone. It's an option. <laughs> You know, and then I, I ended up running a game that was just kind of a test game where the players were on a train, you know, and, and they ended up fighting this thug, and they had pistols, and it was just, it was like the perfect moment for me for what the game should feel like. I was like, okay, trains, pistols, horse-drawn carriages, a little bit of Wild West, a little bit of Victorian, like, this is it. Um, and to be honest, that was actually before I even knew that steampunk existed. And so I was like, then I, you know, started researching the aesthetic, the genre, and I was like, oh, there's, this is a thing. This is, <laughs> this is awesome. And then we just went head over heels into it. We, we cut the whole magic system. We were like, anything that science, or anything magic can do, science can do. So, you know, fireballs turned into explosives, and, okay. yeah. you know, magic missile turned into ray gun. I, you know, uh, various things just transformed into science, and it was so much more fun for us. Um, so yeah, we just we just went head over heels right into the steampunk direction. So, That's so, interesting. So you started out with a fantasy game as you were developing, and it organically sort of turned into steampunk. Turned into this so vision. You just mm -hmm. you just you discover steampunk while creating the game, essentially. Yeah. Interesting. And it might be like you know my personal like of science fiction that over time I was kind of drawn away from the fantasy tropes and more towards the science tropes. We have a, one of our most popular races is a, um, it's elves, but in this setting, the elves had lost their soul in effect. Um, and what the el what we 
what we in, what we originally had was that there were demons in the world that could possess the elf and basically take it over. And because the elf was missing part of its soul, it was a permanent possession. Mm. And it kind of regained its soul. It transformed. It was like a different creature at that point. And that was really cool. We really enjoyed that. But eventually I was like, no, I want this to be more like hard science. So we, we played around with it and eventually had it so that the elves figured out a way of bioengineering their own souls. And so they started injecting themselves with this synthetic essence to refill their own souls. But it does, it plays weird mind games with them during the process and it's not a fun procedure. But on the flip side, they go from kind of a troll, disgusting looking creature into the beautiful, elegant, regal elf. And so they're like, oh, this is worth it. You know, so yeah, it has those like fantasy elements. It has the fantasy roots. But I thought the hard science was way more fun. Interesting. And it, you, uh, I remember when you guys were, were still writing the game, had it in spiral notebooks, uh, <laughs> yep. playtesting and, and dragons there. But that was that was many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What uh, when did uh, Tefra come out? Uh, finished. It was a big uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign. Yes. That was so so successful. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I helped contribute it. I got my book. You did. Thank you. Um, yeah, we. Uh, so I started developing it at the end of 2007. We entered into pl- public playtesting in 2010. We launched our Kickstarter at the beginning of 2012. And then um, the book actually published in May of 2012. So it's been around for a little while. Um, after the core book, it took us a little while to, to kind of figure out what we were doing next. But then in the last year and a half, we've released like six expansions for it. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction we're taking. Now, your books, can they be they can be found like at Dragon's Lair and where else can they be found? Yeah, um, so they can be found at, at Dragon's Lair, uh, Emerald Tavern. You know, we, we distribute in Austin. Um, and if you're someone in Austin that doesn't see our book at a store, let us know. We'll, we'll take <laughs> it over there. Um, but uh, Are you distributed uh, nationally? Not uh, at the moment. Not at the okay. moment. Um, we're, I'm kind of rebuilding our distribution network right now. So, you know, by the end of the year, I think we will be. But, um, you know, for me, I like it when you go to crapmonocle.com. Um, or you can just Google Tefra. Just Google Tefra, T-E-P-H-R-A. Um, it'll take you right to my website, and you can get it there. You know, we have, we have the book. We have the PDF. We have a free set if you are... You know, not convinced by my charming voice to go get it. You can go online. You can try out the free demo game. You know, see how your friends like it. So, well, let's get into, I guess, a little bit to like, I guess, the history of your world. I mean, what is, I mean, what is, what is your world like? What, what? I mean, how did it? You know, how does it separate yeah. itself from other uh, yeah, generic steampunk concepts or or the genre? You know, this is steampunk. <laughs> but what are what are you? Um, so I like to describe Tefra as a heroic, fantastical steampunk. Um, it's it's definitely not the you know 1800s gone sci-fi. Aesthetically, it is. It is that. But um, it's set in its own world, its own fantasy setting um, called Tefra. And then there are various fantasy races. You know, I mentioned the elves before. Um, We've kind of done a huge steampunk twist onto every race. So there's, um, for example, we have satyrs as a core race. 
the satyrs were bioengineered a few hundred years ago as a kind of trying to develop the perfect slave race. And, and that always goes well. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, nowadays the satyrs don't much like, <laughs> like that. Um, you know, there's still some slavery in the world, so that's, that's something to fight against. But um, the satyr military nation is pretty, pretty intense. And so they, so they really don't like being they slaves. They really they don't like military nation. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the whole setting, it, it's basically developed as this fantasy setting where, where I call it heroic because my goal is to create a steampunk where you, know, you have people you know, jumping from trains and airships, you have you know, big combats, you have exciting movement throughout the whole game. Like an action-adventure movie? It's highly ex- cinematic. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's highly okay. cinematic. Um, you know, so I... I that was really a major goal was to create something that was, you know, kind of had the high fantasy feel of it, you know, while still being a solidly steampunk game. But it was also something new and unusual and unique. You know, people often talk to us about the fact that, you know, all the races, all the normal fantasy tropes are kind of thrown on their head, you know, especially with the elves um, starting off as these ugly, soulless creatures. And then, you know, with the power of science, <laughs> they they turn themselves into something awesome, okay. or something demented, as you might put it. So much like you uh, developed the game in the first place, it's starting from a fantasy game. Your mm-hmm. your fantasy world developed from you know the, the fantasy things that we think of in D and D, and and the world developed into a, a, a Victorian or high tech. Exactly. Um, concept. Very interesting. Okay. You know, if I've had some people request that we put out like a uh, an an alternate Tefra that's just Tefra like 200 years ago, you know, or 500 years ago, so that they can kind of play like the high fantasy version of Tefra. So the game you started making. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, where there were angels and there were you know more fantasy elements and there wasn't so much sci-fi. It's just you know swords and board, but. Oh, I, I haven't quite gotten around to that yet, so I'm not sure if I will. I kind of like my modern science-heavy. Yeah, I'm looking. Game. At, I'm looking at the different races here. You have a race that has wings. A, a how do you say that? A Y. Aodin. Aodin. Yep. Aodin. Yep. Is that a demon? Yeah, you know, they're called the demons of the sea. So that is our underwater race. Um, underwater with wings. That's different. So, yeah. I, so the wings are, are they um, wings or are they like fins? Well, actually, uh, the book that you're looking at, if you turn the next page, you'll see a better picture of them. But the wings oh. spread out behind them, and they kind of move like jellyfish through the, through oh. the water. Um, we call them wing fins, but, uh, yeah, they, they move, you know, they're long, billowing wings that just kind of fold out behind them okay. as they move through okay. the water. Uh, that so that, that seems very unique. Yeah, I've never I, seen anything I, like that. Yeah. It's not, not a... a fantasy trope uh, that's been brought into that. This is like an entirely different Yeah, the Aeodin are one race that's totally whole cloth new. And they, they were um, they were virtually unknown in the world up until a few decades ago when when they came up onto the land and everyone was like, oh, so these like mermaid creatures in our mythology, they're kind of real. Um, the only issue was that the the Aodin, um, they basically have a religion that says that 
at some point um, they owned the world and they fled into the ocean and now their mantra is well we deserve the land back so they started a little war 15 years ago that kind of kind of decimated everything but also forced a large um, technological shift because the Aeon had what we call graviton spheres which allow them to fly up into the sky a little bit better um, the Aeon were using them you know to move about under the ocean but you know it's also perfectly fine going up into the air and so they they launched this war on the world and you know yeah like the people on the land they had like basic dirigibles and you know stuff like that but it was nothing compared to the Aoden technology that all of a sudden was surfacing so the whole world kind of had to do this big tech jump in order to catch up okay yeah i see another race here the firstas Yes, they, the, they look more like regular elves than I'm used to seeing. Uh huh. Yeah. So the Farisha are the elves once okay. they've had their synthetic essence injected oh, okay. into them. Okay. I see what you're saying. And because yeah, there's another picture of a different elf here that's it's not quite as pretty. Sort of troll. Yeah, that's the ones before they got their technology, technical soul, or whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. There's a huge divide in in the elven culture as to whether they should all move towards getting the synthetic essence, or if it's better for them to be who they are, and you know, that's, it's created this fairly divisive caste system in their setting where, you know, the, the, the Farishta, the synthetic essence infused elves, um, are the leaders of this nation. And they have, you know, tons of impoverished elves who are just working and working in order to be able to pay for the procedure that'll let them turn into the Farishta. Um, so they become sort of a upper class, lower class um, separation. Exactly, very much so. Um, you know, and a lot of them will, you know, take on huge debts trying to, you know, get through that process, and it's it's not necessarily great for the elves. <laughs> it's um, like sending your kids to college. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, yeah, you put a lot of lot of lot of. Um, Effort into fleshing out your character, fleshing out your races. We um, tried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it looks it looks like yeah, you have, and your world, and you have a. I see you have a map back here. So this is an Earth, like you said. This is a different planet. Yep, not Earth at all. And it never started on Earth. Never was Earth. It was just complete. No. Nope. Fresh idea, fresh planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be very easy for someone to take the the setting. Um, and we've played multiple times where I just tell everyone, hey, the only race you can play is humans. We're playing in 1890 with this tech level, and it's done. That's all you need. You're playing in an alternate, alternate Earth. Um, you know, or, you know, you can add satyrs and elves and figure out how that plays in. Or you can make your own races. We, we just released a, an automaton race on our website that's for free. Hmm. So anyone who wants to play an automaton, they can just grab that. They can have humans, they can have automatons, and all of a sudden you have a you know, fantastic kind of Metropolis-style game setting for you. Nice. So, yeah, you're still, you said you had six expansions mm -hmm. uh, uh, coming out. I saw those at your table over there. Mm -hmm. um, a number of them were expansions, and then a couple of them were, were like adventures. Yes, we, we, we have quite a few adventures. Um, we have two in print right now, and then we have another half dozen or so on our website in PDF form. It reminds me of the old... Uh, uh, at first edition, like advanced D and D, and then they kept publishing all these these great adventures that we all look back at fondly, but they don't put them out anymore. Not they so don't. much, not as much. So that that's cool. I, I I like the idea that you're you're uh, 
pursuing that. You know, it's our fans kept telling us they wanted more adventures that they could run. Um, so I tried to listen to them and put out adventures. You know, I'll be the first one to admit the adventures don't sell as well as the other expansions. But on the flip side, I have several people out there running them at this very moment. And that's kind of reward enough in itself. You know, it, it gives the narrator the tool to go and run the game. And that's, that's what matters to me. Nice. Uh, so where, uh, what direction do you see taking it from here? Um, what's from here, up next? What can we look forward to? Right now we're working on um, a lo- mostly lore. So we have a, the Tefra Playing Guide, our, our core book. It's extremely system-oriented. Uh, we really wanted a game that's all about character creation and making an awesome character and having cool combats. Because for us personally, we were very happy with you know, our role-playing at the table. We love to role-play. The combats you know, with various other games we weren't super happy about. So Tefro is kind of originally an inspiration to make a better combat system. Well, now we've done that. We have our cool combat system. We have our cool craft system. That's awesome. What people keep asking us for, though, is now more world lore. You know, as you've probably figured out talking to me, there's plenty of background lore that we, we have written. Um, but we don't have quite as much of it published as we'd like. So okay. now we're kind of cleaning it up, getting it ready for publish. I have another book that the, the draft is going to be done um, this coming Friday. And so we're going to get art for that, we're going to get through editing, and then we're going to have basically the whole rest of the world ready for you to go exploring in. That okay. sounds pretty awesome, yeah. A lot of, so, some people are really into the, the background of worlds mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. A friend of mine uh, would describe uh, uh, RPGs as the crunchy bits of rules and, and combat and how to build characters, and the chewy bits of world and background. And so you're now focused on... Uh, the chewy bits. The chewy bits. That's exactly it. That's cool. Right. So, yep. Well, since we have the well, we have the crunchy bits right here in front of us. Apparently, you you created a whole other system based on the twelve sided dice. Yes. So so the system is entirely our own. It uses just a single d twelve to play a twelve sided die. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted we wanted a system that was you know you never had to question like you know what am I supposed to roll here or what how how do I do this? It's like no, you just. You roll the d12, you add the relevant stat, and you're good to go. Um, the whole We wanted something that was lightweight in the areas that it should be lightweight. So the dice rolling mechanic, d12, add stat, go, it's pretty simple. The actual combat of it um, you know, can be a little bit more complex just because you know, we wanted something that gave you a lot of options. You know, there's 400 different specialties in that book. And every specialty is kind of a... Wow, 400. Yeah, yeah it's, it's heavy. Um, <laughs> like, what kind of specialties are we talking about? Like, so we crafting combat specialties? Yes, or, I mean, so there, there's everything. There's, there's everything from, um, you know, figuring out how to be a good pickpocket and dart out of sight when someone spots you. Then there's specialties that let you get way better at taking hits. There's specialties that make you better a better fencer, a better marksman. Um, you learn how to... You know, more effectively give warning shots or, you know, trick people into thinking you're one place when you're actually another place. There, there's a whole slew of things there. Okay. So, But then it all also leads into the crafting. And the crafting is kind of my pride and joy in that system where you're able to, you know, take a specialty where you are now an armsmith and you can fashion your own gun. And then you get these augments for your gun where you're shooting, you know, plasma things with... You know, at a 
three thousand foot range with pinpoint accuracy. You know, it, <laughs> okay. We the crafting system we really wanted to be robust. So you can make your own gases, automatons, airships, whatever you want to make, you can you can do it. So that that's where the so a it, lot of the book it, is. So it's a it's a skill based system, is it? Or how, I mean, when you like, let's say, okay, I want to make a new character. What do I start uh-huh. with? How do I start with making? A, how do I make a new character right off the bat? So the <laughs> most important thing with making a new character is that you just choose three specialties. So you flip through the book, you choose three specialties, and that is ninety percent of character creation. There's a couple other like you know allocate some points here, pick some you know, you pick your weapons, but the vast majority of the game is. You pick your three specialties. Those three specialties basically tell you everything else that you need to know to play. Okay, yeah, chapter two, making a character. There it is. Yep. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Page 24, I think. Yep. And the specialties are listed in there? So basically the rest of the book is specialties. Okay. Um, everything wow. from page 80 on is <laughs> specialties. So you can flip to any page wow. around there and there'll be specialties on that page. From page 80 on. I can nearly guarantee it. Yeah. Nearly guaranteed. Bows, crossbows, armor. All right. So that's like skills. Yes. Okay. So um, if you've ever played uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's similar to the feats system. Okay. Um, where you know you you take a feat. Now you have this one cool thing that you can do. Uh, I guess I spoke too soon. I think maybe eighty-eight. <laughs> okay. Well, I was about uh, to say so it says brute. So is it a class system as well? Like it's I not. Want to play it's, a brute. It's or? totally open. Um, but. There are basically, so there you go. So everything that has those gears next to it is a specialty. Okay. So okay. from that you page on. You sort of organize them into brute or brawling uh, specialties. Exactly. Or crafting specialties or weapon building specialties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people will say, you know, okay, I want to be a fencer. Well, so I'm going to go to the swashbuckling skill and I'm going to take three swordsmanship specialties. So now I can be a great sword fighter. It's gonna be awesome. But some people say, well, you know, I wanna be, I wanna walk into combat and I wanna have a sword that I'm decent with. I wanna have a rifle that I mostly use. And then if things get really bad, I wanna be able to build my own explosives in order to get out of dodge. So their first level character, they take one swashbuckling skill, they take one marksmanship skill or specialty, and they take one explosive crafting specialty. And so now they are kind of a well-rounded character who's, you know, able to stab things, shoot things, and blow things up. So, you know, it, it kind of balances out there however you want to build your character. We also wanted a game that has a lot of support options. So there's um, various spirit and cunning specialties for you to be able to, you know, tactically move around the battlefield or help your allies move around the battlefield. There's various showmanship specialties that let you, you know, distract your opponents you know, put up smoke screens, you know, or just encourage your allies on to do better. So are any of these specialties, like, based on, I mean, like, I don't know, like, attributes, like strength, agility, constitution, something like that? They are. So Okay. So all the attributes, uh, brute, cunning, dexterity, spirit, sciences. Okay, so those those are attributes. Yeah, (laughs) those are the five attributes. Um, And then the system breaks down under that in which you have 24 skills. Okay, Um, Okay, now it's starting to click. I'm starting to get it now. (laughs) <laughs> and then those skills have all the specialties under them. So we, you know, it's, for the most part, people will choose, you know, I want to be good at brute. I want to be strong. Okay, cool. You're strong. Sweet. How do you want to use that strength? 
oh, well, I want to be this raging, crazy guy who runs into battle with, a, with an axe. And I'm like, okay, that's intense. Um, <laughs> but now you're going to be under the frenzy skill. And once you're under the frenzy skill, you pick a handful of specialties that you think are awesome. And now you are that raging guy who runs into battle with an axe. You know, which okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. So you got your brawl, your cunning, your agility. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that occurs to me at this point: uh, some games, D and D three point five comes to mind. Uh, use a lot of the the uh, the player map and putting your characters where they are mm-hmm. and uh, movement bases, and it's it's all very. Uh, Sort of mass combat system. Tactical. Yes. Yeah. Do you does this game require uh, the use of those those tools, or is it more of a descriptive storytelling uh, format? It's definitely it definitely encourages the use of those tools. Um, there's there's a lot of movement oriented things that are really that display really well when put onto the map, and you know you can see it. You can it's tactile. Um, and a lot of characters really like that. Personally, I run almost all of my games without a map. And most of my narrators who have been doing it for a little while, they also run theirs without a map. So it kind of works both ways. I, I like to just sit around a table with a bunch of friends and our character sheets and not have to pull out the, the giant three foot by three foot map and put down our characters and map things out. It kind of gets in the way of my storytelling. So, you know, it works both ways, and that's something that I wanted. I wanted a system that you know was flexible in that sense, so that you don't have to necessarily get down into minutia. There's not like, you know, for the most part, there's not like flinking bonuses and you know very specific little things that you have to be absolutely sure. Like is okay, he in range or right? Something? Is, yeah, exactly, exactly. That that's something I wanted to get away from. So like, if, okay. if a combat did break out, how I mean, do, how long do combats normally take? Is it like because some 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 systems the combat can take forever. <laughs> Um, or you know, in some senses, it's really quick. You mm-hmm. know, it depends on the com- on the system. I mean, how fast do your combats go? And, and normally, I would say that average? most combats take around thirty minutes. Okay. Um, I have seen some take significantly longer. You know, when someone like, wants to bust out the eighteen custom NPCs that they've been working on, I guess and it would just have them all fight at once. And I'm like, okay, I guess, yeah, I guess it would determine, right. yeah, de- determine the, the the size of the combat would determine the time. I guess, yeah, but. Like, but but the vast majority of combats I've seen take 30 minutes, normally less than that. Um, you know, one of the, the hallmarks of the system is the fact that every turn you get these action points, and the action points inform how you use your turn. And there are a lot of actions that you can take outside of your immediate turn. So one of the things I hated was the fact that I would have players who would take their turn and then go, oh, well, it's going to be 20 minutes until my next turn. I'm going to run down to the Taco Bell. Y'all want anything? I was like, oh, God. You know, like, yeah, and then they just... get back, and now they have no idea what anyone's done in the last five turns. And now they have to, you know, kind of catch back up. And then they take their turn. And then, you know, they have another 20 minutes of downtime. I was like, no, this is, we're not doing this anymore. So, you know, yeah, combat might take 30 minutes. But you don't have the, the 20 minutes of downtime in between actions that... I've seen in a lot of other games. So, you know, instead you're you're at the table, you see everything that's going on, and you're kinda of waiting for that moment where you can use your reflexive abilities to okay. know, jump yeah. in and stop that or get a good hit on that guy. You know. Sounds good to me. I like that idea. <laughs> so um, well, I was gonna think about it. It's like yeah, in combat it's like coming I mean, 
like some combats, like it's 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 well balanced. I'm assuming it's like it's not like you know if you fight a certain person, it's instant death kind of thing. <laughs> I, mean, I like, would I would like to think that it's well balanced. <laughs> um, you know, that's honestly like entirely up to your narrator. Mm-hmm. So. It is level based. Okay. Um, so there's. So if there's, you go somewhere above your level, yeah, it's gonna. Exactly. It's gonna exactly. There, there's twelve <laughs> levels. So you know, if you're if you're a group of level one adventurers and your jerk narrator decides to throw a you know seventh level giant automaton at you, you're probably not gonna have a chance, right? Okay. Well, I encourage the <laughs> run away and rethink it strategy in that instance. So you know. Okay. And and there are like. Because of how customizable it is, you know, so Dungeons and Dragons is awesome because you know that when you create a party of four adventurers and one's a cleric and one's a fighter and one's a rogue, you've got it down. Like that's, you are you good cover. to go, yeah. right? In Tefra, there are groups that are super good at putting together their team. And there are a lot of synergies that were designed in the game so that, you know, if you have a group of people who design things to work together, Oh, it is gold. Um, I once ran a game for a group where one person was basically the the in battle weapon supply depot, and and another guy he walked in with a got a, like a Gatling gun, and so they spent their first turn setting up this giant Gatling gun, you know, and one person would just start shooting everyone, and the other person would be you know maintenance and defense and and ammo supply you know and they were just able to mow people down no problem so basically you know, it encourages team play or working exactly, together exactly exactly whereas you know them against the group that you know everyone is kind of their own lone wolf character who's got their own plan you know oh they're not going to survive they're not going to survive okay. first contact so you know I, I really like watching when people work together and build their own synergies so it's it's a huge part of it. That's awesome. So this is Tefra, steampunk role playing game. Look it up at crackmonocle.com as well as Facebook, I'm assuming. Yeah, you can you can <laughs> you know, you can search Tefra at Facebook, you can search it on Twitter, you can search it anywhere. Um, you'll find it. I, I have faith. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice beautiful hardcover book. I mean, I I'm loving it. The art the art in here is great. I, I was I was mentioning that earlier uh, having tried to publish my own book art is expensive and finding a good artist to work for you uh they are gold solid gold and it looks like you found a good one yeah well, a few a few actually. you have a whole you have like a whole team working on this now right i have a handful yeah i have a handful of guys who who that that's what they do and we we love it it's we've got a great pair of artists that are you know they're able to put out some really inspiring stuff so i, I love working with them it's a delight well, I want to thank you uh, for taking the time out of the con to come mm-hmm. and talk to us about Tefra. Uh, again, we've been talking with uh, Daniel Allen Burroughs, uh, the driving force between Cracked Monocle and uh, their steampunk uh, role-playing game, Tefra. Um, anything else we need to add? Um, I, I think that pretty much covers everything. Um, if, you got any, if you have any questions, you can either talk to us at uh, Texas Steampunk Connection on Facebook, or you, you can talk to him directly at, you know, look him up on Tefra or Crack Monocle, Crack Monocle. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, ask him, you know, ask him anything you need to know. And I'm sure, you know, one, one or all of us will be able to answer you. Um, once again, we're, we're, we're at Chupacabra Con, where I was surprisingly pleased to find that there's actually steampunk stuff going on here. <laughs> Um, if I had known, we would have mentioned it the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, thanks for, thanks for your time, Daniel. We appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. Ton of fun. And, and until next time, mind your gauges. Okay, that ends the th third episode of Texas Steampunk Connection. I really hope you enjoyed the interviews. Next episode will be another interview about another role-playing game. Stay tuned to find out what that one's all about and what it's even called. Um, so, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, anything steampunk you want to know about or know or think we should know about, contact us. Leave us a leave us a message on Texas Steampunk Connection on Facebook. Our podcast can now also be found on iTunes. Um, Amazon. It can be found on Google Play. Uh, so we, we're all over the place. Um, there's a complete listing on Facebook where you can find us. So until next time, mind your gauges.